Well, hello, Hope City Church. It's good to see you today. Um, let me just say hey uh, to, to everybody who is in all kinds of different places. This week, I talked to two or three different people uh, who we were talking about something else, but they were letting me know, like, I know I haven't been there. We're figuring it out as a family, but I watch online. So let me just say hello to everybody watching online. So many of you out there, everybody at our family service next door to us. Uh, hello to you over there. And then obviously everybody in the auditorium. I, it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy season, but I love that. In that craziness uh, that God has helped us to uh, think of some ways and be creative to still be a church together. And so thank you to everybody who works on that. But hello to everybody who's watching or a part of the service, however you are. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I do want to say something personal real quick that um, coming up this next week is my 37th birthday, which that's not the... That's not the important thing I was trying to tell you, but I did want to use that as a marker because last month in the chaos of kind of getting back together as a church, I totally forgot to uh, talk about the fact that we celebrated our 14th year here at Hope City Church. And I've kind of reached the point in my life where I keep up with my age based on how long I've been the pastor of this church. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why, but most of you were not here. Matter of fact, just a handful of us were here at that time. But when I was 24 years old, a group of people decided to let me pastor them. And I have no idea why, but I'm thankful that they did. And, uh, and so now, uh, all my kids have been born here, um, grown here. And all of you have shown up since that time. And I'm just, I'm so thankful. So, so if you'll allow me just kind of to merge August into September, as I am getting older, as God has blessed me and, and, and been gracious enough to allow me to get older, the greatest joy of my, of my spiritual life is the opportunity that I get to be your pastor. And so thank you for allowing me to do that. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. And so um, just thank you. It really does mean the world to me. And I wish I would have said something uh, the, the, the third weekend there in August, which is a big deal in our house because... My daughter was actually born, Sadie was actually born on Thursday night, almost midnight, and, uh, and then we were, became the pastors that weekend. So she always thinks that when we're celebrating anniversary at the church, it's really for her. We let her believe that. Uh, but uh, just a big weekend for our home, but just feeling nostalgic this weekend a little bit, just thinking about uh, all that God has done in my life, but all that God has done in this church. So thank you for letting me be your pastor. I love you. I really do. Um, we are in part two of a series called Truish, where we're looking at some common uh, beliefs and, and they're common, but they're incredibly dangerous, which is actually what makes them even more dangerous is how common they are. And each week as we're kind of working through these beliefs, we, we are, we're finding out that they seem true. They seem fair, but once you kind of look beneath the surface a little bit, you, you realize that they're too good to be true, that, that we want them to be true in a lot of cases, but they're too good to be true. And so unintentionally, probably for most of us, we, we never decided to start believing things that weren't true. We never made a conscious choice one day to say, I'm going to believe something that's wrong or believe something that goes against God's ways or God's truth. We absorb them. We pick them up. But what we are learning is, is that once you begin to start changing truths that God has given us and that the church has accepted and taught for thousands of years, life doesn't get better. 
It gets more unstable. The Bible tells us that when we build our life on Christ, on the teachings of Jesus, on the word, the truth of God, that we're building on a foundation that stands when life gets crazy. But that when we don't build our life on Jesus and God and the truth of God, that when life gets crazy, everything comes apart. And that's one of the reasons, by the way, that we have the church. It's not just to sing songs together or come together. It's a place to, to have accountability for our own lives, not because the church is the police, but because we get together as a church and it helps us to make sure that we are still building our lives on the truth. Because there's nowhere else in culture, there's nowhere else in society where you're going to go and people are going to make sure that or uh, help you to build your life on the truth of God. Everywhere else is going to take truths and, and unintentionally or sometimes intentionally twist them or change them to make them seem better, seem more fair, seem kinder. But when you begin to get away or drift away from God's truth, life gets unstable, not, not better. And so we want to we wanna build our life on, on that truth. And we find that truth in Jesus and from God's word. That's the Bible and from the collective wisdom of the church. We talked about this last week that we look to Jesus. Did Jesus model it? Did Jesus teach it? We look to the Bible. We look to God's word. Because it is, it is perfectly assembled the way that God wants it assembled. And then we look to the church, the wisdom of, of the church that for thousands of years have had these core sets of beliefs that truth's not determined 30 years at a time. The church has had beliefs and, and held to truth for thousands of years. And so we, wanna, we want to, to use those three things to help us solidify in our lives the truth and and separate the truth from a lie. So that's really been my prayer throughout this series is that the truth will become clear to us, but that the lies we believe will also become clear. Because the biggest threat to your faith is not bad behavior, it's bad beliefs. This is our big idea for this whole series, that the biggest threat to your faith is not bad behavior. And that's, that's a new idea for a lot of us because religion would tell us that the most important thing about you is how you behave. But... The Bible teaches us that the most important thing about you is what you believe. And the biggest threat to your faith is not bad behavior. It's bad, it's bad beliefs. And um, so we said last week that the truth will set you free. The, the Bible promises us that the truth will set you free. And that's our prayer. We want that truth to give us freedom. But when you've been believing a lie, the truth sets you free like you've been sitting in the dark and the lights get turned on. It's blinding. The truth sets you free like someone's saving you from drowning, but in your panic, you're fighting off the Savior. The truth does set you free, but it usually breaks your heart or makes you angry first, and then the freedom comes. And so what I want to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to, um, to jump into this week's message. Can we pray? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And God, I pray that as I, I speak today, as I preach today, God, that you, your Holy Spirit would take my attempt to speak your truth and, and, would, and would make it what it needs to be to go into the hearts of every single person hearing this right now. That we would hear what you need us to hear and what you want us to hear today so that the lies that are causing our life to be more unstable would be broken and the truth would move in 
and freedom would occur in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. So today for the second part, we're going to talk about this truish belief. Maybe you've heard this before. The belief we're talking about today is your heart will tell you the truth. Your heart will tell you the truth. It can sound a lot of different ways. Uh, maybe you've said this before. Maybe somebody's told you, do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Do what you feel is right. Maybe, maybe you've heard, you know, you can't help how you feel. You can't help how you feel. Maybe you've heard, if it makes you happy, don't let anyone make you feel bad. Don't you feel bad for doing what makes you happy. Maybe you've heard kind of at its core, the basic idea that you need to follow your heart. This is interesting because um, it's, it's interesting when you're putting together a message, what you notice, what, when you're reading things online or seeing things, you know, your, your heart and your mind are, are kind of set, you know where you're going. And so maybe you just notice things that you normally wouldn't notice. But this week, as I was reading through some, some articles and blogs and different things, I noticed three different celebrity divorces uh, that ha- are happening in culture. Uh, I don't normally pay a ton of attention to the celebrity romance scene, but uh, notice three different celebrity divorces and the headlines on the stories or the, what one of the people said in each of the stories was some form of this, as sad as it is, we have each decided to choose happiness. We are ending our marriage because we are choosing happiness. That is, that's another form of what we're talking about. Does any of that sound familiar? Do what makes you happy. Do what you feel is right. You can't help how you feel. If any of this sounds familiar, what you are hearing or what you're saying is emotionalism. This series we're looking at isms last week was relativism. This week is emotionalism. Now the technical definition for emotionalism is the tendency to rely on or place too much value on emotion. To to rely on or place too much value on emotion. At its core, it's the belief that your heart will tell you the truth. And listen, on the surface, this sounds great. This is, it's amazing. I mean, when I was in middle school, I really wanted this to be true because my heart was telling me all kinds of things that were amazing. Um, Maybe you can relate to this. Anybody else sit alone in your room with like a mixtape or maybe your age, it was Walkman time. And you, 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 maybe you were in the car, maybe, but probably in your room listening to to this, you got this. Come on. By the moon Come on, anybody? Anybody? Come on, be honest. Lift your hands in worship right now. Come on. I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's good, guys. Thank you. I mean, when you're listening to I Swear, your heart is telling you all kinds of things. Now, some of you are looking at me like, what is that? It's called music, okay? Good music with a melody. I'm just kidding. I'm not that old, but actually I am, but. And uh, speaking of love songs, by the way, since we're talking about our hearts today, I thought that we would play a little game. Uh, I know the last couple of weeks have been a little serious, so I thought we'd lighten the mood a little bit. We'd play a little game. 
that will be fun. I'm going to give you some words and I want you to tell me if you think the words that I'm telling you, tell me if they are a lyric to a love song or a verse from the song of Solomon. Okay. So I'm going to give you some words. Is it a lyric to a love song or is it a verse from the song of Solomon? Let's look at this first one. The first words I'm going to give you is this. Your love is better than wine. What do you think? You think think love song lyric? You think song of Solomon? Come on, let me hear you. What do you think? You guys reading the Bible a lot around here? All right, here we go. Let's see what it is. Song of Solomon. It's actually Song of Solomon, chapter one, verse two. Kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. Some of y'all didn't know. You're about to find out some amazing things are in the Bible. You didn't know this. All right, let's look at the next one. The next words are, then I kiss your eyes and thank God we're together. What do you think? Lyric, love song? Love song? Aerosmith, you got it. Don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. I don't think Aerosmith when I think love songs, but that that one was in there. All right, let's look at this one. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your eyes are doves behind your veil. What do you think? Love song? Song of Solomon. Okay. Song of Solomon. Chapter four, verse one. How beautiful you are, my darling. Guys, listen up. I'm gonna give you a little tip right here. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. (laughs) Try that one. (laughs) Let's look at one more. I know all the things that make me who you are. Song of Solomon or lyric, what do you think? Uh, all right. Maroon five. She will be loved. All right. I asked the staff to give me some love songs. We got Aerosmith and Maroon five. Fantastic. <clears throat> In all seriousness, no, from the time that we're little kids, we're told that your heart will tell you the truth. Listen to your heart, follow your heart. And why, why do we want this to be true? Why does this sound so good? Because it does sound It sounds good. Well, the reason we want it to be true is because who wouldn't want to live in a world where everyone follows their heart? There'd be more love and less hate, right? More passion, less restrictions, less regrets. Just just you living the life you know in your heart is right for you. This sounds like freedom. But... At the core, if you keep chasing down why this feels like the best way for people to live their life, you will eventually get to fairness. So if you start at follow your heart, trust your heart, and then you start trying to figure out why you believe that that's true and why you believe that it's fair, you're you're eventually going to get to fairness. That people should be able to do what they believe is right in their hearts because then everyone gets to do what they want to do and that would be, that would be fair. God's way feels mean or unfair or exclusive. So we convince ourselves that there's hope in choosing our feelings over God's truth. That there's more hope in allowing people to just go with their heart. But I love this quote by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. It's going to be on the screen. It's a little bit long. I want to read it to you though. He said to deviate from the truth for the sake of some prospect of hope of our own can never be wise. 
however slight that deviation may be. It is not our judgment of the situation which can show us what is wise, but only the truth of the word of God. Here alone lies the promise of God's faithfulness and help. It will always be true that the wisest course for the disciple is always to abide solely by the word of God in all simplicity. I love this. There is no hope in deviating from the truth. Why, why wouldn't God just let me have what I want, what, want? Why wouldn't God just let you have what you want? Why would God make something off limits or forbid something that feels so right to me? Why, why should someone be able to tell me something is wrong when I'm sure that it's right? I know it. A few years ago, I was meeting with a guy uh, who, who was facing some really some really hard decisions in his life. He wanted to meet for a meal and, and kind of bounce some things off of me. And so we were, we were talking and, and he was wrestling with what to do because what he wanted to do went against what God said he should do. So we got to the kind of the make or break point in the conversation. And I said, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that what you want to do is wrong? Do you believe it's wrong? He said, no. I said, okay. Even though you say you believe the Bible is true, because you told me that, that you do believe the Bible. So do, do you believe that what you want to do is wrong? Even you say no, even though you believe the Bible is true. And he said to me, he said, I do believe the Bible is true, but not every part of it. So I, I, so I asked back, I said, okay, then how do you know, how do you know that what you want to do is right? How do you know? And he said, because I just know. I have known, I've known my whole life. I've always known. And God loves me. God would never tell me that I can't have what I know in my heart is right for me. I said, okay, but I don't agree with you. In my heart, I don't believe that's true. Are my feelings valid? And he said, well, you're wrong. And I said, how do you know I'm wrong? And he said, I just know. I just know. Now, you, you may have never said it exactly like that, but we've all thought it. Issues like heaven and hell, salvation, sex, marriage, homosexuality, honesty, all kinds of others uh, of issues test whether we believe God's standard of right and wrong is true. Because almost always what we want and what we feel goes against God. And it's at those moments when we're faced with believing God's truth or our emotions. So you can talk about it philosophically, but when you get to the point in your life where you want something and you feel that what you want is valid, but God's word says that it's wrong. That's when you decide whether you believe God or you believe your heart. And so we believe, we, we, we buy into this idea that if we all get to follow our hearts, we'll never be heartbroken. But that's not true. It's too good to be true. 
So let, let's talk about why this is not true. Like, where does this, where does this idea break down? Well, one reason it isn't true is because what we talked about last week with relativism, that if what is, is in my heart is not what's in your heart, who gets what they want, who gets to be right? That, that, that breaks down very quickly. But the bigger reason that, that those of us whose faith is in Jesus know that this is too good to be true is because the Bible clearly tells us that our hearts are not to be trusted. Culture says the best thing you've got going for you is your heart. Trust it. The Bible says, do not trust your heart. Don't do it. The Bible says that we shouldn't follow our heart, that we should guard it. And I want to I just read a couple of these verses to you to, to show you what the Bible says about your heart and my heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 is probably one of the most famous when you're talking about heart. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Proverbs 4, 23 says to guard your heart because life It's the main intersection of everything that happens in your life. So you better guard it. James 1, 14 and 15. Why do we guard our heart? Because James 1, 14, 15 says, temptation comes from our own desires, our heart. From our heart, our desires in our heart come temptation, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions and sin grows and it gives birth to death. So what's happening in your heart is enticing you to, to, to take a detour, to be dragged away, to drift away from God. The desires that you have in your heart want to pull you away from God. This tells us that our desires and feelings cannot be trusted because you were born. I was born with sin in our heart, which means that from the moment we breathe, we are designed. The sin in our heart has, has, has hacked our mainframe and we are now designed to self-sabotage. And you know, this is true. I don't have to convince you of this. You think back over your life and you think back over every good thing you've ever gotten. And you will eventually figure out how you took a good thing and you messed it up. Not because you're worse than anybody else, but because you have been hacked by sin. You are now designed to self-sabotage your life. I want to be really clear. I'm not saying we can't be emotional. So the point of the message today is that you can't be emotional. Emotionalism is the tendency to rely too heavily on emotion. What I am saying is that emotionalism will convince you that if you're sad, it's wrong. And if you're happy, it's right. But your emotions don't decide what's true. So, so what I want to do for just the last few minutes I've left is I want to, I want to talk about why this is so dangerous. And then, and then I want to, I want to tell you what we should trust instead of our heart. The reason this is so dangerous, and this is so, I, I hope I can explain this with the gravity that it deserves. Because all of us in this room are, 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 are closer to believing this truth than we think we are. And the reason that this is so dangerous is because if I can convince you that your happiness is most important, then when God's truth and your happiness don't align, you will assume that God doesn't want you to be happy. 
Did, did, you, did you connect the dots there? So if you believe happiness is ultimate, and then you are confronted with God's truth, and it threatens your happiness, the only logical step is for you to believe that God doesn't want you to be happy. And while it is true that your happiness is not his ultimate concern, God is not out to ruin your life. He's, he, his purpose is to give you one. He wants you to have life, but you're never going to find life away from Jesus Christ. You only find life in Christ. And so we're not just trying to, we're not just trying to love Jesus with our brains Of course, we want to love God with all of our heart. The Bible says that when we put our faith in Christ, he gives us a new heart. So that's a better heart than the old one we have. But sin and and the spirit of sin is still in us fighting against us. And so what do we do when we're trying to figure out what's a truth and what's a lie? What do we trust? If we can't trust our heart, what do we trust? We got to make a big decision. We're wrestling with some things in our life. And you're telling me that my heart is not my guide. It's not my compass, Jason. So if I have to make a big decision, if, I, if, I, if I'm wrestling, if I'm on the fence and I'm not sure what's true, what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's false, what can I trust? What do we trust instead of our heart? I want to give you, I want to give you three things you can trust. The first thing that you can trust is the Bible. It's the Bible. Not everybody believes this. Matter of fact, more and more culture and society would tell you that you cannot trust the Bible. It's hate speech. It's exclusive. It's, it's racist. It's sexist. But people who are saying this have never read it. It's the most inclusive book you'll ever read. Most loving, accepting book you'll ever read. Most wisdom for life you'll ever read. No, nothing out there encourages you to love people the way the Bible does. Treat people with kindness. Nothing. And so when we are trying to decide what's right and what's wrong, we have to make a decision. The very first thing we should do is open the Bible. And when I say this, we go, yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. This is what, yeah, you're right. That's what we do. But how often do we do that? How often do we have a question or how often are we asked a question? And instead of giving that, like, I thought about it half a second response, how often do we say, you know what? That's a great question. And I think I have an answer. But before I answer that, let's open the Bible. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Hey, why don't we take a week and let's read the Bible and figure out everything we can find in there about it. And when we come back together next week, let's, let's see what the Bible says about that decision. We don't, that takes too long. We'd rather ask Siri. But what would happen and how would it change our life if every time we were thinking about something important, we said, instead of an opinion, I'm going to go search the Bible first. And I don't know if you know this, I don't know how much time you spend reading the Bible. And I say this a lot around here because it's true that anybody around you or anybody in your life who says the Bible is outdated or irrelevant has never read it. 
because I, I took about 10 seconds literally and just jotted down everything I could think of about what you'll find in the Bible that you think maybe would be helpful. The Bible talks about how to raise kids, how to be a spouse, how to be a friend, how to manage money, how to let go of hurt, how to have great sex. Thank you. How to overcome addiction, how to pray, how to be patient, how to have more joy, how to overcome failure, how to deal with difficult people, how to cook a proper Jewish Passover meal. I threw that last one in there. It wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. 11 o'clock will laugh at that, but you get the point. For almost everything you need to know, the Bible has an answer. Almost every question you have, the Bible has an answer. Anything you're wrestling with, I, I can almost guarantee you can find the answer in the Bible. You say, well, I don't know the Bible. How would I find it? You could probably Google it. Click on one of the top or two links. If there's like flames on the page, go to a different page, okay? But it's probably pretty trustworthy up towards the top. Check the domain. But the Bible will give you the truth that you're looking for. Psalm 119, 105 and 106, David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. It is, it is a lamp, but you got to turn it on. And if you'll turn it on, it will be a lamp to your feet. So almost every, not 99.9, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's high that everything you're looking for is in the Bible. But it is true that there maybe are some other issues that while the Bible speaks in larger senses about it, doesn't speak specifically about it. Then what do you do? Well, we want to trust the Bible. And if we don't think it's in there, we want to ask one of our leaders or pastors or something, you know, cause it's probably in there. But if, if there's not something in there specifically, nothing in the Bible about whether or not you should sell your house, well, then what do you trust? Let me give you two more. Number, number two, you want to trust wise, godly friends. Wise, godly friends. Proverbs 15, 22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Wise, godly friends, not just anybody, not your buddy from high school necessarily, not your roommate necessarily, maybe not even your parents necessarily. But you look at your life and you go, who do I know that loves Jesus with all their heart? Who do I know that is building their life on the truth of God? Who do I know that has real stability in their life? I'm gonna go ask them. And I'm gonna ask them, if you were me, what would you do? And so we wanna trust wise, godly friends that God has put into our lives. Let me give you this last one. If, if we don't trust our hearts, what do we trust? Well, we trust the Bible. We trust wise, godly friends. And then the last one is we trust waiting. We just trust waiting. Almost every bad decision I've ever made in my life, I made too quickly. Almost every one. You probably say the same thing. All the bad ones were impulse ones. Very few bad decisions were made with waiting. Very few. If you have to have it right now and you're not willing to wait for it, it's probably not the right decision. And it's amazing what happens when you go to sleep and you wake up, how much better you think. Isn't that so true? It's just like a reset, the Holy Spirit. Good ideas at 2 a.m. don't always feel like good ideas at 7 a.m. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so there, you, listen, you can trust waiting. 
Because if it's a good decision, it'll be a good decision later. And so we want to trust the Bible. We want to trust wise, godly friends. And we want to trust waiting. And I want to, I want to end today with some challenges. I'm going to give you three questions to challenge you here. And then we're going to pray. But you have to know that what I'm telling you, culture thinks is ridiculous. It's outdated. It's old-fashioned. It's closed-minded. Do what makes you happy. Follow your heart. But can I tell you what I've found? I don't know if you would agree with this, but here's what I've found. The people who have flipped their lives upside down to be happy aren't very happy. They're not. So I'm going to ask you three questions. I did this last week. I'm going to try to do this every week. I'm going to give you three questions just to challenge. If to help you identify if maybe you've begun to believe the lie of emotionalism. First question is this, is there a truth that you're denying because accepting it breaks your heart? Is there a truth that you're denying because accepting it breaks your heart? Second question. Have you convinced yourself that God's standards don't apply to you because God cares about your happiness more than truth? Let me read that one again. Have you convinced yourself that God's standards don't apply to you because God cares more about your happiness than the truth? Let me ask you one more question. Is there an area of your life that's wrong, but you've convinced yourself that God is being unfair to you? Is there an area of your life that, that is wrong? You know it's wrong. In your heart, you know it's wrong. In your, in your gut, in your stomach, in your, the, the, in your brain, the Holy Spirit's convicted you. You know you're resisting it. You're fighting it. You know it's wrong. But instead of accepting it, you've convinced yourself that God is being unfair to you. If you'd say yes to these questions, it's possible that you have unintentionally picked up this lie of emotionalism. So I want to end with this prayer and I've asked them to put this on the screen for us. I was reading a book this week and again, it's just amazing what you notice. And I, I paraphrased it a little bit, but I read this prayer and I thought, man, what a phenomenal prayer to end with today about, about not looking to our hearts to be our guide. This is the prayer. God, deliver me from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire. Deliver me from the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy. Deliver me from the wisdom of this world that promises to give me more understanding but only keeps me from your truth. Deliver me from the lies of experts who guarantee me a way to live a long, happy, and successful life outside of you. Don't let me put my trust in anything else but the cross, your word, and your return. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll post this up for you this week, but I want to just read it to you one more time. And I think this would be a great prayer for us to begin to pray, maybe on a daily basis in our life. God, deliver me from the lies of advertisers who claim to know what I need and what I desire. 
Deliver me from the lies of entertainers who promise a cheap way to joy. Deliver me from the wisdom of this world that promises to give me more understanding that only keeps me from your truth. Deliver me from the lies of experts who guarantee me a way to live a long, happy, and successful life outside of you. Don't let me put my trust in anything else but the cross, your word, and your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we pray together? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that when I was separated from you, I had no way to get to you, no way to have a relationship with you. My sin wasn't, was a barrier too great to get across. God, you sent Jesus to make a way. And God, when my emotions are crazy or when I'm, I'm, my feelings aren't right and I'm all over the place, I don't have to wonder how much you love me because I, I know how much you love me. You love me enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place, to give me a way to have a relationship with you. And so God, I pray that you would help me to recognize the lies of this world that are trying to convince me of how you feel about me compared to how the world feels about me or someone else feels about me, God, help me to remember that Jesus is how you feel about me. And I'm not trusting in this world. I'm not trusting in this culture. I'm not trusting in the wisdom of this world. I am trusting in your word, the cross of Jesus Christ, and that you are returning again. So God, even if our hearts have to be broken today, will you help us to embrace your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.